This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. We've got an open topic show today, so you can give us a call with any personal finance questions that you might have, from budgeting, credit card debt, investing, to retirement money questions. Give us a call. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Why isn't it warm here yet? I don't know. It's I, so cold. I'm going to blame my mother. She came uh, down from New York for a visit. And brought the cold and, northern right, winds. And, yeah. uh, and uh, it's funny. If, if she's complaining about how cold it is, then you it's know bad. it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, but so. the azaleas are gorgeous. You know, I took a walk this morning, snapped some pictures. And, and so spring is trying to get here. Felder Rushing, our uh, gardening host, uh, often calls them the, um, the late, what was the thing on... Andy Griffith, the party girls from Raleigh. She, he calls it because they come in and they're very showy. And, and, they, <laughs> and then they disappear. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, by the way, Felder's show every Friday morning at 9 on MPB Think Radio. So uh, what about financial news in the news? Um, well, it's kind of a, a mixed bag is what we're seeing right now. Um, everybody's right now focused on their taxes and uh, trying to get all of those bits and pieces done. But we're seeing, you know, some positive news. We had an up tick in housing, which I've been talking about for quite a while, but that may be because interest rates declined. And so people are starting to refinance and be more interested in the housing market. And yet this morning we got news on a decline in durable goods orders. And a durable good is anything that lasts more than a year. So if that would be appliances, furniture, Cars um, And those are things that we don't buy all the time. And when those slow down, that usually is an indication of a general slowdown. Ryder, you anything in? Um, well, it's the first, uh, first week of the quarter, and so we've been kind of looking back at the last quarter, which, of, of course, was looked it's really, good. Yeah. really good. And if you forget about the last quarter of last year, then, you know, you're, you're probably pretty impressed with it. So have we made it up? Uh, um, I'm not sure that we've made it up. Compl- I don't think we have made it up completely, but uh, we have come very close, at least. I mean, I, th- I think you're seeing numbers in the kind of 10 to 13 percent range. I think S&P 500 up maybe 13 percent last quarter. Uh, Dow, which is a silly index, up about 10 percent. So, so why is it a silly index? Oh, because the way they calculate it, they just they just add up the price of all of the stocks, which bears really no relation to the size of the company. It's just how big they wanted their stock to be. And I think be. IBM is still um, the the one with the most representation in the Dow because it's been around the longest and there are only 30 stocks. There's only 30 stocks and they just kind of every now and then pick one and they have a tendency, especially 
lately to pick stocks. They try to pick stocks that are representative of the U.S. economy, and they have a tendency to pick stocks uh, after a very strong run-up. So they added, for instance, Apple to the index, you know, when it was like $700 or something. Uh, Of course, they had to do an adjustment so that it wouldn't be huge because, again, they base it on the price of the stock. Which doesn't make sense. Not the size of the company. And most indexes are based on the size of the company. They're not necessarily based on how much the company earned or how much the company, uh, you know, how much the company sold or any, any kind of concrete figure like that. So that's just an interesting bit. Um, so last week on Money Talks, uh, we talked about payday loans and sort of how to avoid uh, getting into that trap. Uh, and by the way, if you would like to listen back to that show, you can uh, go online to mpbonline.org slash money talks or download uh, all of the shows with your favorite podcast app. Uh, but during the news, our producer, Liz Gill, made a good point, And that is uh, this time of year, you see a lot of these, um, you know, we'll get you your tax refund before you actually get it. So, you know, I, I guess that isn't. In a we'll sense. give you money yes. based on your refund. Right. Yeah. right. And so that is a loan as well. And I guess the real danger would be, okay, well, I'll get the loan. And then when my tax return comes in, oops, I'll go ahead and spend that as well. So, Or you don't realize that it is a loan and there are interest charges. So you need to read the fine print to see how much are they charging you for what would be a very short-term loan. And what Liz pointed out is you're going to find it looks more like the payday lenders. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine anything. Well, I guess if you have pressing bills or whatever it might be, but it would seem to be the prudent thing to just wait till you actually get the money from Uncle Sam. And we are still hearing that people are not getting refunds that they had been getting in past years because of the adjustments in the tables. Uh, And some people are surprised to find they're having to pay in. And that's going to really ding our economy because we depend on those people spending that money. And just a little funny thing, I think, you know, I mentioned, I think, earlier when I was filing my return that I was using one of the free software, one of the software programs that said it was a free return. I got to a certain thing and it said, well, we don't have this form, so you're going to have to pay. And I said, well, bump that. And I went to another company, got through the entire procedure, got my refund and everything. Well, the original company keeps sending me emails saying, oh, by the way, you you haven't finished your tax return (laughs) yet. I ain't going to finish it with you folks. So, uh, but uh, again, that's, you know, that's becoming a very competitive field as well. So look around and make sure if, because there are a number of ways to get a completely free, like I said, the, the, the return was free, uh, all the filing was free. And, you know, I got my, um, my, uh, in uh, my refund uh, from the IRS. And April 15th is coming fast because it is April 2nd. And uh, so you need to talk with your tax preparer, your CPA, to see if you qualify for uh, an IRA contribution for 2018 that will help you on your taxes. Or if you want to just bank some for future years, you might want to look at doing a Roth IRA contribution. But that needs to be done by the time you file your taxes. So uh, this is an open topic day. We are looking for your personal finance questions this morning. We have some filler material, but we really would prefer to answer your Don't personal... Don't call it filler. <laughs> it's, That's what it is. It's, it's important stuff. Okay, all right. Good we stuff. all wear clothes, so yes. But anyway, we have some other stuff to talk about, but we really would like to get your personal finance questions this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can also email money at mpbonline.org. And we do have an email here that says... 
Can a regular or Roth IRA be pulled before age 59 and a half for tuition without penalty? Ooh, uh, yes. yes. There is a there's a specific, I think, education expense allowance from um, Roth IRAs and uh, traditional IRAs. Uh, and that on the traditional IRA side, all it does is avoid the uh, penalty tax. It is still treated as income, but that extra 10 percent you don't have to pay. And, and, you know, if you're planning for tuition and you maybe don't have you know a full time job, you might be in a very low tax bracket anyway. So. That could be a worthwhile thing. All right. So we're going to be talking about clothes, clothes buying today. And Ryder, I, I like your sweater. And Nancy, I love the uh, the spring colors you have um, going so on there. It's, so. very, it's been it's, around for a while. It's very casual Tuesday today. But I'm going through the list of uh, tips that our producer Liz gave for us. And one of them, it says that, which is kind of disappointing because it says steer clear of April and October when looking for clothing sales. Uh, April, uh, because of tax returns, stores says, nah, we're going to give you a sale. Yeah, name. yeah. And then in October is the last chance for stores to really suck it to you before Black Friday. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, this month is not a great uh, month to uh, look for sales. But uh, this was interesting. It says... So, uh, our first closed buying tip is don't get them. <laughs> don't do it. Not this month. This is interesting. Once an item has lingered in a store for six weeks, whatever remains will be discounted on the 43rd day. So, if you found something you love, watch it uh, until that window expires. And it, you, know, you might want to... You could hide it well, somewhere. Say, right? you know? you know, yeah. If it's in the large, you might want to stick it over there in the double X section yeah. where no one will find it there. So, um, but that's interesting. That uh, I wonder, you know, where they come up with that kind of six weeks. I guess there must be some sort of market research. data. Yeah. Data, yeah. So, all right. So the forty third day. So um, that I would say though, that's that's discipline to watch an item of clothing for forty three days, ready to snatch it. Uh, it reminds me of a Seinfeld episode where uh, George was going to buy a suit. And the oh, same I remember thing that one. Yeah. All right, we've got a caller on the line. So let's say good morning to Daryl, who's called in from Memphis. You're on the layer with us. Daryl, go ahead, please. Uh, good morning to all of you. Good morning. I look forward to this show, and I want you to know that. Thanks. On the subject of taxes, will you or someone in the studio tell me what is the income limit that um, a taxpayer can make before he or she decides well tries to take off the well take advantage of the IRA. Uh, okay. Um, are we talking uh, are you a single filer or a joint filer? Okay, we're going to have to look them up because they have changed and they do change every year. So give us a few minutes. It's probably somewhere in the 60,000 range. Um, and that's going to be total for the uh, filing, I believe. Okay, so for a traditional, I, I don't have the numbers here exactly. The tr- uh the traditional IRA, I believe, is around eighty thousand for a single filer. I'm pulling it up now. I know they have they have recently increased it a lot uh, on the Roth IRAs. I'm a little more familiar with. I believe it's around one thirty or so. And also, there is a phase out range there um, for a single filer around one thirty, and then for a married couple around uh, one eighty nine. Um, for a regular IRA, let's see, who's faster? 
are on the draw here. <laughs> <laughs> so for a traditional IRA, single or head of household is $64,000. Uh, thank you. But uh, you get a partial deduction all the way up to 74000 Married filing jointly um, is 103 all the way, and then a partial deduction all the way up to 123 Of course, uh, the, the traditional IRA is limited a bit if you have... Um, a retirement plan at work, and let's see, let's see what those exact numbers were for the Roth. Well, if IRA. you don't have a retirement plan at work, then the income limits are off, right? So if you don't have right. that yes. option, you can still go ahead and do it and get the deduction. Uh, and then the Roth IRA is uh, for married filing jointly is one hundred ninety three. And then you get a partial uh, partial allow. Well, it's not a deduction, of course, but you can um, put part allowed of that. to put part of it in up to two hundred three. And then if you're single, it's one twenty two up, to, uh, and then you get a partial contribution up to one thirty seven. So yeah, we were in the range of things. You can go to irs.gov and uh, you can find those limits listed there. And again, they do adjust those typically every year uh, with inflation. And then sometimes we have bigger adjustments yeah. because of changes in the laws. Yeah. And this year we got both an inflation in the income limit plus a little boost to the amount you could put in. And and just a quick plug for the IRS website. You know, people are very intimidated by the IRS. It is they do write in a fairly formal language because they have to be pretty precise about things, but all of the information is there if you um, are willing to just kind of sit down for a moment, work hard to understand it, and um, you can you can absolutely find it all. All right, Daryl, thanks. Hey. For, yeah, thank you. All right, thanks for your call, Daryl. Appreciate you, uh, the kind words about the program as well. We need to take a break. When we get back, we'll continue looking for your personal finance questions, and also we're talking about uh, tips on when, where, and what to buy when it's time to get new clothing. If you have a personal finance question, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send an email. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taft. Today it's an open topic day for looking for your personal finance questions. We're also going to be sharing some tips about clothes buying. Buying clothes, I guess, is an easier way to say it. If you have a call, uh, a question that you need an answer for, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Our next caller is David. David, thanks for calling. You're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Yeah, hi. Uh, my question is, uh, I'm getting close to retirement, and I have a financial advisor, and I, I basically got myself out of debt. Of course, I have a 401k plan, 
and he's thinking that I should start putting increase my the amount of money into my 401k plan and I'm thinking that it might be better to put my money in cash because I have no cash reserves right now uh, mm. Do you how, guys have any opinion on that? Well, okay. How soon are you going to retire? Well, I'd like to retire next year, but I'm not sure I can. Okay. Uh, he's planning it that I have to save enough money until I'm 100. In my case, 113 because my wife doesn't work and she's younger than I am. Well, we do need to uh, extend those forecasts because people are living longer. But... Um, it, I'm not as concerned about you not having cash reserves if you're this close to retirement. Um, And what he's talking about is the advantage you get tax-wise by putting money into your company plan, because that portion is not tax for federal income tax purposes. And um, so you automatically get a break there. And you don't have to invest it in any kind of, you know, stock or bond. You could choose a stable value or cash fund within your 401k if you wanted to. But if you're going to be able to dip your hands into it within a year anyway, you know, uh, it's not a real problem. Now, if you're concerned about having some cash reserves, maybe you split the difference. So, um, you know, you can have a negotiation with your advisor, which is what we often do, right, Ryder? Absolutely. About uh, how far can they go on putting money into their 401k versus leaving a portion of it out. But at this point, if you had $1,000 in cash reserves, you're probably going to be okay with this retirement so soon on the horizon. Yeah, and, and so a couple of things to think about here. You know, when you're talking about maxing out your 401k, when you're talking about saving in 401k versus just sticking in the bank account, say you're in a your top tax rate, it's 20% or something. Um, if you put a dollar into your 401k, you, you get that whole dollar goes into the 401k. And you can leave it in cash in the 401k if you're worried about it losing value. You may get some matching funds in your 401k, which is a little bit of a bonus. Maybe, oh, that's a great Maybe one. you stick that dollar in there it turns into a dollar and three cents. If you take that dollar and you put it into a bank account, you have to pay tax on that. And since this is, we're talking about your top dollar here, then, you know, you, you're putting 80 cents into that bank account. And so that's the difference. And, and if you're close to I mean, I usually think, you know, I usually tell people it's very important to have cash and, you know, you need some just so you don't have to dip into your retirement accounts if you have an emergency. But paying, uh, you know, what is effectively on that 80 cents, 25 percent to to keep it on hand. That's really expensive, especially when it may be one or two years before you turn around and you're taking that money out of your 401k. And remember, at this stage, when you put money into a 401k, you, you save money at your top tax rate. But when you take it out, you're taking it out at your blended rate, which is all which is going to be way lower than your top tax rate. Um, so that, that's the trade-off here. Uh, you're, you're effectively saving, you're saving a good amount of money by putting in your 401k. I mean, again, do you have a little bit of cash? We don't want you to be uncomfortable with when you look at your bank account. You know, obviously, you know, keep a couple months expenses. Make sure that your, make sure that the amount that you take home out of your paycheck after maxing, after, you know, increasing your 401k contribution, make sure that that's still plenty to live on. We don't want you to, you know, 
know, be cut to the bone here, um, you know, just because you're trying to save for another, you know, 12 months. But uh, but but it, there is immense value in putting money in that 401k. Uh, but you do need to be comfortable with your cash situation. Uh, so, David, I, I think we're agreeing with your advisor. Yeah, OK. But you, you think I should have like a couple months cash? Uh, I, well, I don't even know that you need that much at this point. Um I, I think if you have a few thousand dollars, you're going to be fine. I, I agree with your advisor, but I also want you to be comfortable with the amount of cash you have on hand. I mean, again, this is not the time when you need a huge emergency savings, especially if you're soon going to turn around and have much more complete access to that 401k. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your advice. All right, David. Thank you for your call. This is Money Talks. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 One of the other tips on when to buy clothing is uh, to shop off-season. And obviously, what I like about this is the stores are sort of anticipating the change in season. So a lot of times... Uh, the clothes will go on clearance when it's still sort of the tail end yeah, of that season. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do is wait to the tail end of the season. Uh, you can buy things at a big discount. You still may have a little time to wear some of those things mm-hmm. before the season really turns. And then you put them in your closet, and when you take them out the next year, it's like they're brand new. That's right. They're yeah, right. And, and here in Jackson, Mississippi, if they were clearing out of their winter product uh, <laughs> in, in February, then you still had surprise, surprise, another two months to wear it this year. So, I mean, you can be both in season and on sale. Get like, your coats now. Like, look at that. <laughs> We've got another caller on the line, so we say good morning to Steve, who's called in from Louisiana today. Good morning, Steve. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Morning. Look, I I have a quick question. I have some retirement funds, some state retirement funds in Mississippi, and they are split between a 403B and uh, one of those lifestyle accounts. So my window was 2015, and I realized that the last quarter of this past year how much exposure to the stock market there was in those lifestyle accounts and I'm wondering if I could transfer all of my uh, qualified money into the 403B and then what are the consequences of doing that the 403B has a guaranteed 4% return whereas the lifestyle account 2015 uh, has been varying I'll I'll take the answer off the air. Yeah, so I just want to um, you know, kind of define a couple of things for our broader audience. Uh, lifestyle, there's a lot of different names for these. Uh, more commonly, you see them referred to as target date. Now, I'm fairly certain this is what he's referring to. Um, or life cycle funds or lifestyle funds. And that's basically just a fund it, it made up of stocks, bonds, and cash that has a date on it. And, and, and that date is, you know, you kind of pick what your retirement date might be. And so when, because we generally advise when you're young, you can invest all in stocks. And then as you get older, you want to get more conservative and put more in bonds. And so a life cycle fund does that for you. It does all of the adjusting for you as you age because you've picked the date and you've said, that's the date I want to retire. And so it's like, okay, good deal. And so they'll typically make those for every 10 or every five years. 
And even at their date, so he was talking about a 2015 date, there's uh, all companies do it differently, but often they will still be, there will still be, say, 30 to 40 percent or no, sorry, for, say 40 to 60 percent stocks at that retirement day, because, again, you still need that money for a long time. So it is appropriate to have uh, have some stocks in there even once you're retired. So that's why he's mentioning, oh, I looked at it and it has a lot of stocks in it. And then the other thing he mentioned that's a bit weird is a 403B. It's kind of like a 401k in the sense that it has a lot of numbers and letters and nobody understands it. But uh, you get a tax deduction when you put money in and then when you take money out, it counts as income. Typically with a 403B, these are of the alphabet soup of, of, of retirement plan types. These are absolutely hands down the worst just like google new york times and 403b it's they're horrific and um they are they were designed for nonprofits and hospitals and school systems um and because of that they're they're dealing with some of the least uh, financially uh, able or savvy audiences. And so they typically just, they still just have the worst practices and, and companies will put their worst products in them. Um, now his, it sounds like it's a stable value fund inside there. In order or to, it's an annuity. Or That's an annuity. what it is. It could be an annuity. I'm not sure what, what type of account his life cycle fund is in, um, but it's possible possible to consolidate those I would I would take a real hard look at a 43b before trying to move anything into it well and I'm wondering um, okay so if this person is no longer working for the state of Mississippi right because he is in Louisiana now uh, if he doesn't plan to go back to work for the state of Mississippi then maybe what he needs to do is take both of those pieces and roll them out into an individual retirement account yes. an IRA and once you get into that then you're not limited to the choices within the 403b which it sounds like it's an annuity which could be high expenses surrender charges all kinds of constraints on it be very careful and um, you could do a life cycle fund if you want to, but you could also do a, a whole host of other things. So you might want to just visit with a local advisor and have that person look at those accounts and um, make a decision about whether or not you're going to go back under that employment and possibly roll them over. Yeah, and as, as far as the technical aspects of rolling it over, you, you can consolidate a lot of these accounts now. Um, that that's that question is, yeah, super easy, but I, I would just be very wary of what is in that 403B uh, and what its fees are. And you can probably, almost, uh, almost all the time, you can do better um, in an IRA. Even if you're not having someone else manage it, someone else help you set it up and understand what's going on in it. Um, but that 403B is a... Mm, those are those are not pleasant things to have. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. It's time for another break. We've got some open phone lines ready for your personal finance question on this open topic day. So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show as well at money at mpbonline dot org. We'll be back with more after this.
You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. It's an open topic day. We've been getting a number of interesting personal finance questions. There's still time and phone lines open for your question at one mpb ring It's one 672 If you can't get to a phone but want to send a question in, you can email us, money at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go, and if I'm not mistaken, our next caller comes from Brett Favre's hometown, Kill, Mississippi. Tom's on the line. Good morning, Tom. What's your question or comment? Um, I really don't have a question, but I have more information about 403Bs if you'd like to hear it. Okay. Um, I have a 403B that I got through TIAA uh, when I was working at a small college. Now, your caller mentioned that it has a guaranteed uh, minimum return, 4%. That almost assuredly means that his 403B is in an annuity. Right. Any money that you, any money that you place into a 403B is not readily removable or transferable to an IRA because it has to come out in uh, no more than 10% of the value each year over, over a 10-year period. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind with somebody Wait, dealing uh, with a 403B. I, I need to stop you there because within a 403B, you still have investment selections there. So yes. if, if you had, if you, TIAA, correct, if you had chosen their um, TIAA annuity, you are correct. For that portion of the money, you can't take it all out at one time. It has to be done over a 10-year period. Yes, and, it, but, and, and, that it, and that's very true. But the only uh, fund in through, for example, TIAA that has a guaranteed interest payment right. yeah. is, is the annuity one. So that's why your caller mentioned that. So that's why. Yeah. yeah, and and you are correct with that. Now, if they if the, on we don't know what his provider is. Um, uh, TIA craft is a popular one, um, so you, you probably are correct. They're, That's the portion he's talking about. They're common one. I don't know if we want to call them popular. Okay, I won't call them popular because <laughs> I have studied them as well. <laughs> All right, uh, Tom, we appreciate your calling in and adding to the conversation this morning. Uh, let's move on. Next, we'll go to Mobile. Julius has called in today. Good morning, Julius. Uh, good morning, folks. Um, I have a question about banking I would like, uh, if you can take that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, my question is, why is there such a huge difference in uh, <clears throat> the interest rate that a bank pays to a depositor and the uh, interest rate they charge on a loan? I mean, the, the, it's the, called the, business the and, and profits. That's a profit margin, yeah, but if they pay, um, you know, seriously, uh, the, the national average right now, according to bankrate.com, for a one- and two-year uh, CD is 0.9%. And the uh, the average uh, personal loan rate that a bank charges uh, to somebody with an excellent credit rating is 9.8%. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yep. <laughs> it used to be, uh, you know, if you could, uh, you know, you, you could make a deposit, um, you know, and earn something like 5% and, you know, possibly pay 10% for a loan. That's reasonable. But 1% for 
a deposit and almost 10% for a personal loan with an mm-hmm. excellent credit rating is just exorbitant. <laughs> well, I, I agree, but that's banking, um, and uh, they're going to follow their competition, and um, you will only see those above rates for depositors if they're trying to gather assets and offering some teaser rates uh, or if they're trying to get your business on a loan they may cut some of those interest rates for you but that's what they're doing they have to make a profit yeah and and it's expensive to run a bank um, you know they're doing a kind those, of, those big buildings uh, and those chandeliers yeah. like, you know? like one it, we do have a weird thing and I, be, and I believe this has is a free coffee and some cookies there. Wait, 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 You have wait, to pay wait, for wait, that. Wait. Oh. Uh, so, so it's expensive to run a bank, and it's expensive to build this building and hire and train all these people. And, I mean, they, you know, they do a lot of things to keep your money safe and to make sure that uh, they can be loaning that money out but still make sure money is available to you. So it's, it is an expensive thing to do. And, and keep in mind that the bulk of loans um, that, that the banks hold are going to be mortgages and kind of commercial loans, things like that, that they're not, most of their money, they're not loaning out at, at 10%. Um, that's, that's where they make their money at. Um, but the well, bulk mortgage, yeah. the, right. I mean, mortgages, you know, or, you know, four, four well, and a half percent. They're not going to be, uh, your local banks where they have most of their loans are holding, are they going to be the commercial loans and yes. for your local businesses? Yeah. Well, and, and you're right. A lot of mortgages are, you know, sold on the market now, but, you know, so they're not necessarily, you know, the, what's available to just, you know, a casual person strolling up. You know, think about it. easiest thing to get is a credit card. That's going to be the highest interest rate. The easier it is for folks to get and the more widely available, they're, they're going to have to offer those at higher interest rates, you know, because it does cost them money to make a loan. So if they're only going to loan you a thousand bucks for a couple of years, they need to make a certain that I mean, that just takes time for someone to fill out the paperwork on and that. And also understand, um, you're talking about deposits that are shorter-term deposits. Those loans are probably going to be much longer-term, so they have to manage that risk, and mm-hmm. that's understandable. Um, and uh, especially if they're thinking about interest rates going up. So right now, it may be 0.9 for a one-year deposit, but in a few years, that could be at 2 or 3%, and so they have to prepare for that. But, you know, just look Looking at the cost there, that's why we often talk about online banks, which uh, you know they've cut out a lot of those uh, brick and mortar. They don't. They don't no give cookies. you. No they cookies. don't give you free coffee. Um, they you know they just send you an ad for coffee. Some of them give dog treats for the drive-through. Um, yeah, but, and suckers. But the online banks don't. Um, and and so they they have cut expenses in a lot of ways, and so that's why online banks can often offer higher interest rates on their deposits and lower interest rates on their loans. And we've seen it trend lately I'm you know very cautious on it although this is a big area um, of of non-bank firms offering deposit like products and loan like products um, and they often do this because they are not regulated as highly as banks and so regulations cost regulations cost but that's where all of those protections that a bank yeah. offers you the, the FDIC insurance so you never have to worry 
about your bank going out of business. Um, insurance against the, you know theft and things like that. Um, you know, so so just be cautious and know what you're dealing with if you're dealing with a non-bank firm. All right, uh, uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Right, I'm, I you know I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, you know, something changed in the last ten years since that so-called financial crisis. Um, you know, the, the, it used to be you could get a heck of a lot more interest on a CD than you can now, and you know that's. There's something that's happened. Well, since, uh, you you have to consider. <laughs> you have to consider the difference between nominal interest rates and real interest rates. So back before the financial crisis, we had higher inflation. That inflation has to be added on to what is the real interest rate to make up the nominal rate. Right now, we have very low inflation. Um, so if I looked at what are the real rates, meaning how much can that money buy, they're going to be. Pretty Pretty similar across time periods. All right, Julius, thanks for your call. We appreciate you calling in this morning. Uh, we're looking for your personal finance questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Before our next break, a couple of tips on where to buy clothes. Uh, one of the ones that uh, my friend has really taken advantage of is uh, thrift stores. I know that uh, there's one here in the Jackson area, and every so often on Facebook he has this like huge stack of shirts that he's bought, and they're like a dollar a piece. So uh, if you have a, a good eye, you can go to a thrift store, you know, and uh, find out the good stuff. Also, I would say th- uh, things like um, the one we have in Pearl is Treasure Hunt, Hudson's, those sorts of things. The uh, I, I, I don't know what the official term well, for that I, is. But I think they're great for uh, any kind of consignment is, is great for children's clothes because mm-hmm. they don't wear them very long. And, um, and you can you can tell them that it's fashionable. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, no. you you look, you look no. great. No, they're going to look back at pictures and say, why did you put me in that? Because it was a dollar. <laughs> I think you're right, though. That's a good point. Kids grow so quickly that, you know, when you whatever clothes they got, they're not going to be wearing very long. Typically so that's not. A, yeah. Um, and also, this is an interesting tip uh, on an outlet mall. Watch out for anything that says factory line, because now companies are yeah. making clothes specifically for outlets. It used yeah. to be kind of like extras and irregulars and that sort of thing. Outlet malls are a total fraud now. And the other one that gets me on that it's you know it's like compare at eight million dollars and you're getting it for 20 cents or whatever so i'm always a little bit leery on those uh, price mm. tags that you know and then my favorite outlet store uh, uh it was um it was a shoe store i think and it said of regular course. regular price eighty dollars <laughs> your price 79.99 oh you're getting a deal there yeah uh, one thing i've noticed at outlet malls is you know comparing the quality of the goods in the regular store for instance i would go to j crew or banana republic and then go to the J. Crew and Banana Republic outlet malls here in in town. Oh, he's and, such a millennial. And um, well, just those are two that hop up to mind. It's not like we have a Dillard's outlet mall, Nancy. <laughs> okay. um, so just the quality of the materials it, it was totally different. So you're right. I mean, a lot of those manufacturers are making things specifically for the outlet malls. They would be the same style, uh, but the fabric would be thinner, or the you know maybe it'd be a different blend of of cotton and polyester what have you um and and so that's how they were making the price difference in it and that just wasn't worth it 
Yeah, so uh, just, you know, like in anything when you're spending your money, be a smart shopper, and uh, especially for clothing. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll stay looking for your personal finance questions. We've had a lot of good calls this morning, but still time for your call as well. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one 672 We'll be back to wrap up the show after this break. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. It's an open topic day, so we're looking for your personal finance questions. Uh, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We've got some open phone lines and about five or six minutes left in the show, uh, so time for you to work in a call if you have one. In the meantime, we have been talking about uh, clothes, clothes buying Clothes buying tips, tips for buying clothes. Sorry about that. Um, and now we'll talk about uh, how to buy it. It says treat clothes shopping like grossly sh- shopping. Make a list of what you need and stick to it. That's. Uh, I don't think I've ever done that, but I guess that makes a, a, a good thing because just as you might be tempted to buy an extra bag of chips or nuts or something along those lines, if you see a, a nice-looking shirt or some pair of shoes, perhaps uh, you might buy them when you don't particularly need them. Well, I think the first step is to clean out your closet, you know? Hi, Marie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I've got all my stuff folded. It's great. Yeah. Um, but to really see what you have, because I tend to, okay, I'll go shopping Here's something that's just a, an impulse purchase, and I get home and I think, oh, I have one almost just like this. <laughs> oh, I impulse purchased this there, there's last a reason, season. There's a reason I like it. this, because I, I always like this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is another interesting one. Hack the price codes. In general, any Whoa. price that ends at a number Hacking. other than nine or zero will be a deep discount. So if something's... Thirteen twenty-five. It's probably on sale. Kevin, that, this is Liz. Okay. We'll put a, a graphic on our web page. There's oh. a whole thing about Target has this number and this number, and other stores use this number to show when it's on first discount or second discount. It's really it's funny that he said hacking, and then you said Target because well, that's what happened at Target, and <laughs> everyone's credit card was exposed. There's just a code. There's a code. Okay, well, that's interesting, and that that would be good to know because then you really do know when you're getting uh, the good discounts. Let's uh, head back to the phone lines. This time, uh, Edgar's called in from Jackson. Good morning, Edgar. Go ahead, please. Good morning, and thank you so much for taking my call. I just had a quick question about charitable deductions. Is it still possible to make a deduction, say, from an IRA that reduces your income, but, of course, you can't take that as a deduction on your income tax? Right. So what you're talking about here is when you send money uh, from an IRA directly to a charity. So typically when you take money out of your IRA, it counts as income, period. Uh, And when you are 70 and a half or older, you have to take money out of your IRA. We're talking about traditional IRAs here. Right, right, right. You are allowed... Once you are taking RMDs, required minimum distributions, you are allowed to send part or all of that RMD, but not 
necessarily more than that, directly to a charity. And if it is part of your RMD, then it does not count as your income. Now, you're right. You don't get the deduction, but you never count it as income in the first place. So just like, you know, let's make up some numbers here. Say you have to take $50,000 out of your IRA. That's your only income. Of course, it's not because you have Social Security, but whatever. You have to take $50,000 out, and you send $10,000 of that directly to a charity. It has to be the custodian sending it directly to the charity. You can't take it out and then turn around and write the check. Right. So that would mean you only show $40,000 of income. If you had taken it out and then given it to the charity, you'd get to deduct that on your taxes, but the standard deduction is $12,000 now. So you might not, it might not even go over that. Um, but when you send it directly from the IRA as part of your RMD, directly from the IRA to the charity, it reduces your income. You still maintain that $12,000 standard deduction, or at that age, it would be a $13,600 standard deduction, something like that. Um, um, so well, it's a great deal. So the answer is yes. I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> Can you tell? We love these. And if you need help um, doing that? Let me know. <laughs> this was set up temporarily a few years ago, right. and they were so popular, it is now permanent. So go for it. And I will say, uh, because we are in the middle of tax season and all the CPAs are really upset about this, the custodians are not coding these no, correctly. The um, part of the problem is that the IRS still has not released proper guidance on how a custodian should write that 1099 when they send it out. So sometimes you just keep records of that. Make sure you know where that check went. You know, keep your statements where it shows that check going out to the custodian. Um, And so when you report your taxes, um, I forget it's line 4A and 4B, I believe, on the 1040. I may be slightly wrong on that. But it's when you put, again, you're responsible for reporting your taxes correctly. And you're, you know, that's that's America. Um, But uh, you put the, your tax, total distribution from your IRA, but then you put your taxable. And make sure when you put your taxable distribution, you do not include those charitable deductions. Even if your 1099 shows it differently, it might be a red flag, but... Um, preserve your records. So if anybody asks, you'll be able to fairly easily show them what you did because there is an issue with reporting. At least this year, we hope it's going to get uh, ironed out next year. Thank you so very much. All Absolutely, right, Edgar. Edgar pleasure talking to you. All right, one final call this hour, and it goes to Cheryl in Clarksdale. Cheryl, a bit pressed for time, so if you could be brief. Hi, Cheryl. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah. Go yes. ahead. Yes. All right. My question is, what's the easiest and most efficient way to compare the cost of the multiple alphabet soup Medicare supplement plans that are out there? Wow. Um, um, AARP has some great information about looking at those plans and what each of those letters mean. Um, And even when you get to what we call a supplemental plan or what we call a Medigap plan, it has its own set of alphabet. I think that's what you're referring to. And these are pretty standardized as far as what they will cover. Um, you know, you're just going to have to go to the Medicare site. They usually will uh, give you information to look at that. But ARP is some of the best information I've read that explains what each of those will cover. That's the best I can do for you. It's complicated. 
All right, Cheryl. Thank you so much for your call, Cheryl. Thanks for the call. Got a little bit of time left. This is another interesting one, uh, our tips on buying clothes. Uh, if there's anything that online retailers hate, it's abandoned carts. In response, the store will often send follow-up emails containing discount codes as a nudge to remind a shopper about that forgotten cart. I don't think, well, maybe I've never left anything in a cart. I've never gotten any kind of discount I've code. definitely gotten that. Oh, you have? Have oh. you? Yeah, I leave things in carts all over the Internet. Okay. And I get a lot of junk email. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I'll start loading so they, up some so they're carts. So tr- they're nudging you to, to buy it and, and push, yeah. push the submit button. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and often, you know, when you go to a site for the first time, they'll say, hey, put in your email address for 10 or 20% off. Um, I usually ignore those because I don't want their spam. Um, but you can just go back to that window in like a private window or something, and they'll offer that again. All right, uh, that is going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks only on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.